0: this is steve smith editor of car magazine and in the car podcast this week we will be talking about the vw tourag that's the new generation car a new gsi from opel an opel corsa gsi and mitsubishi triton athlete um, performance double cab bucky as well as some very exciting drives we've been doing over the last week ferrari portofino alexis rx 350 l and the subaru outback (laughs) 3.6 Hello everyone it's the car podcast once again and today with me are Terence Dienkamp, Nicole Lowe and Gareth Dean. Uh, some new stories we'll talk about that are uh, making some waves on our website as well as some cars we've recently driven um, and there's a variety of uh, exciting and uh, more practical um, items on the agenda there. But guys let's kick off with uh, new Touring. It's been a long time coming to see this new car we saw quite a few teasers from VW and finally the car has been released. Um, Based on um, the group's MLB Evo platform, much like the Q7, Cayenne um, and the Lamborghini Urus and Bentayga Bentley. Big car. G, what are your thoughts on this one? Looks wise. I think it looks very neat, very crisp, typically
1: uh, Volkswagen. Um, I kind of maybe slightly off the subject, but I always feel for the it's It's one of those models that sort of sits at the periphery of our awareness when it comes to premium SUVs. Um, so I'm hoping something that looks this sharp and this upmarket will uh, will have enough presence mm. to be competitive.
2: Um, I, I agree with Gareth, I've always loved the Touareg, the previous two generations, I, I love that they're slightly more utilitarian than the equivalent yeah, Q7 yeah. Um, and not really burdened with image issues. I suppose. I, this one to me looks really cool, um, especially the front. I love this new face of EW where the grille flows directly into the headlamps, um, the really nicely sculpted sides. The back to me is a Bit more Haval than VW. I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the come rear on. lights, but um, it looks nicely balanced. The proportions look really good. What I find fascinating about this car in, in a world where we've had diesel Dieselgate is if you look at the engine lineup, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, you, but no, okay, um, good. three big diesel engines mm. two V6s and one V8. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, no small petrols, those might come later. But for now, um, it's big engines, V6, V8, and then a plug-in hybrid. Um, In in Europe, where where diesels have fallen out of favor quite sharply, um, is this VW saying we think there's life in the diesel left?
3: I'm very glad that
2: diesels are still there, and I
3: think it's falling out of favor with politicians in Europe, but not so much the public. If you drive a 3 to V6, power plant diesel from the W group you'll know what we talk about mm-hmm. it's a great engine and um, yeah just on the looks of the Touareg for me it looks a bit like a grown-up one from the rear um, I also feel for for Touareg a bit because I think they're so in danger of stepping on toes of Audi's and Cayenne's and so on that they sort of they can polish their product up to a point and then they, th- and then they must leave it there because otherwise it gets dangerously close to the opposition but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to drive them. There will be a hybrid as well. And uh, in South Africa, we're looking towards the end of the year, third quarter at least, yeah. of 2018. Yeah. So I think it will be very interesting to see. And also, what they do with the pricing, because how close will it be to Q7? Yeah.
0: I, I think it's a very good looking car. I've actually seen this in the flesh. There were, one, one night when we were coming down from our, our evening night ride, mountain bike ride on Table Mountain, they were filming this car. We were filming the ad. This must have been a good two months ago. Heavy security. I mean, I nearly got into a fight with the security guard because I stopped. <laughs> and um, I, I wasn't going to take photographs of it. I mean, I'm sensitive to that kind of stuff. But they really gave me a hard time. Oh, really? Um, yeah. But I, I did see it. And it looks really good in the flesh. Um, I Particularly, interestingly, I, I prefer not the R-line design. Um, I like the the, the chrome-accented um, windows and, and grill on I would imagine not the standard model. I'm not sure what they're going to call that one. If you have a look on our website, you'll see the blue car um, with a chrome accented styling. Um, it looks particularly upmarket for me.
2: Yeah, there's always a look on this R-line that something fell off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was nicked. Um, yeah, no, no, it looks really great. The interior, especially mm. um, uh, uh, in the images, looks stunning. Yeah. It's got that that great new Inovision, um layout of VWs with the digital instrumentation and then how big is that screen it's like mm. f- where I've got it here 15 inches mm. that central touchscreen mm. you know. right let's move on to the next one
0: and maybe Nicol you can take us off here being a, a performance car fan and you might have memories of, of Opel um, and the super boss back in the day so um, Opel have made the announcement that the GSI badge returns and it'll be on the Corsa um, what's your take on that
3: Oh, I'm very glad for the badge. I mean, talking about you know, a couple of years back, probably about 20 years <laughs> back but it used to be a very famous uh, badge and um, I think there are quite a few followers of this badge in South Africa, especially with the Cadet, but that badge was also used in mm-hmm. a few other, mm-hmm. other opal derivatives as well Um but it, it usually it denoted sporty performance but still sort of practical and um, let's say not top-of-the-range model, I mean, you can get a, the, the sporty one is and sort of still afford it. So I wonder where this one will slot in because it definitely needs to slot in b- below the, the OPC. PC, yeah. So um, yeah, according to w- what we've read about it, it's so 1.4 with 110 kilowatt and 220 newton meters, and that sounds very similar to what we have now. Um, But maybe there's more to come, as I say, it's just the first reveal here, so I, I think they will have to up the power. They say uh, optic, uh, optional Ricardo seats and from, from the looks there's um, I mean, big wheels, there's uh, a nice little wing at the back, mm-hmm. the bonnet has got an extra scoop in front, mm-hmm. so it looks the part, it definitely looks like a little OPC. If you look at the rear, it's just a single exhaust outlet on the side, so it's not the centrally mounted OPC. Um, yeah, jet fighter like outlet so it's definitely a, 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 a mid, mid-spec um, performance little car but I think yeah we need it. this uh, hopefully be manual as well and a nice driver's car
0: so more of a warm hatch than anything else
3: yes yeah, so I think that was always the formula for, yeah. for GSR. Yeah. it wasn't outright performance yeah. but it's practical performance and sort of performance that's accessible to the normal
0: guy on the street also from a wallet point of view so it'll be interesting to see where the price is this, this generation course guys never really caught on, especially here in South Africa. I think it was, a, it wasn't as much of a, if, if we look at how successful the previous ones have been, it's never really um, grabbed the South African market. Yeah, it's a pity. I mean, it's,
2: it's certainly the best course I has mm. been. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's really competitive, I feel, against uh, Fiesta, and maybe to a lesser extent, New Polo, we'll, we'll see new Fiesta when it comes. Um, I'm, I'm quite excited. Um, for Opel SA to consider bringing this car in. I think the Corsa range firstly needs a bit of a halo model yeah. in the absence of an OPC. Yeah. And secondly, um, it'll slot into a section of the market where um, you don't really have any rivals. There, there aren't many warm hatches. Mm. You've got you, all your 1.0 liters and one point six, and then it jumps to yeah. uh, Renault Clio RS yeah. and all of those. So this could, this could do well if it, it fills that little gap that exists.
0: Manual gearbox, as I think pointed out, is probably yeah. key for this. I think it'll do well if if there is a um,
1: an even hotter model to come. Um, I think it's all good and well having something like this, which is, to my eyes, largely cosmetic. Um, I see it's got a chassis that was fine tuned on the Nurburgring. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> enough said. Um, yeah, I I think it'll do okay, but. It's, it looks to me like it's all mouth and no trousers. With, if those outputs
3: are, are what they claim do, to be. Do you, do you think they used this car and they're to check it's all clear before the OPC goes out? <laughs> 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 look,
0: it, it certainly is a better looking car. I've never been a fan of the design of this new Corsa, but I do think those, the side sills and spoiler and wing um, and that little scoop on the, on the front do make a difference. I actually quite like the look of this one. Nice colour too, but we always see bright launch colours, don't we? Okay, another one that's been tarted up somewhat is uh, the Mitsubishi Triton Athlete. I'm not sure who wants to jump in with this one. Nicole, I'm gonna leave it to you. You, You're probably the most knowledgeable bucky guy around here.
3: It's interesting the name, Athlete. I don't know where it's running to, but um, yeah, it's all cosmetic again, Mm -hmm. and I think think all the bucky manufacturers are now really feeling the pressure because of X-Class being launched, and obviously top of the range, Amarok, and it seems like the stop of the range Bucky segment is just, I don't know, is it just catching all the, the media attention or is it actually doing a lot of sales? Because it feels like now everyone has to bring out a special version, so I mean, looking at it, yeah, it's a lot of extra kit that you see on the Bucky. There's some striping, there's some um, side steps, rear bumpers, there's a, like a go-faster wing thing behind the, the, the cabin, and uh, it, it looks pretty smart if you're in that kind of thing, but it's it's a... Sp- It's a sport bucky then, it's not something that you're going to go um, and throw rocks on the the back though, or or pick up some sheep or something, it's definitely a a bucky for for town use. Interior is also quite wild, I see some orange accents uh, everywhere. And maybe Mitsubishi feels they need to join in the party to also get a bucky that's out there competing with uh, Ranger, Raptors and X-classes. But personally I'm wondering if they're not losing the plot slightly in the sense there's a lot of buyers out there that hasn't got 600 plus thousand rams for a bucky. This one is actually comes in under 600,000, five, five, nine, 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 uh, And still got the same power train. But um, you know, all these top of the range buckies, maybe they're losing the general public in, in, in the, the buying power of general public, but maybe they come poster the
0: buckies for some children, I don't know. Well, this, this sports bucky thing is certainly uh, a segment that I, looks like to be growing. I mean, Ford Raptor, well, four have jumped into it with the Raptor, certainly with, with in terms of well, the performance and suspension setup. Um, this is more a look than anything else. That VW Amarok, which we've just got as a long-term, uh, we know how ridiculously quick that is for a, for a double-cab diesel. Um, I don't know, they're a growing segment. Your thoughts on the looks, Terence? <laughs> Scratching your nose up, I
2: can see. <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's, oh, the additions are tacky. Um, they really are to me. This is more reactive to something like a Wild Track mm. um, than anticipating a Raptor or X-Class. I honestly don't know who's going to buy this Bucky and would want orange interior, leather seats and, and these strips. And I don't think I've ever seen a spoiler on a tailgate. <laughs> um, that's a new one for me. Um, to me the Triton is a great bucky, I mean mm. we love it at car, we really respect that. It did extremely well in our comparative tests last year. Very nimble bucky, I think the n- nimble. most nimble of all of them actually. Yeah and a nice free revving yeah. diesel engine. It's a, it's a real pleasure to drive and this seems to detract from what makes the Triton so great. Um, the fact that it's not a Hilux or not a Ranger. It's cheaper, but it's as well equipped, if not better. Um, and, then, and then you've got this. I'm, look, I might be proven wrong. I think uh, a wild track is maybe a bit over the top as well. Um, there, there seems to be a market for, for these buckies um, that aren't standard. Mm. Uh, hopefully it does does well for Mitsubishi because they need the boost in sales, certainly.
3: An interesting fact that I read here is that the tow rating is now up to 3,100 kilograms, so just over 3 tons, whereas when we tested it, it was only at, at 1.5, and that was an obligation issue, and they got it through that, so it's glad that it's now up there with the, the ranges and the high highlights on towing them. But so so, so that massive rear wing will come in hand <laughs> <laughs> <towing laughs> you the <laughs> downforce
1: towing you
2: 3 tons. <laughs> there's a, there's a, um, a strange other, other spec difference here in that this one is 7 airbags, um, and Isofix compared to the two on the the standard model Triton that costs exactly the mm, same. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a confusing addition, I think.
0: Yes, that is a it's a good point. I, I didn't that hadn't picked up, but that is interesting at that price. That's
1: not in the marketing
0: material for the no anything, no. Is it? no. <laughs> so on this point, um, in a couple of weeks' time, we've got an invitation to drive uh, a new Roush Ranger. So Roush, as you know of Ford's official partner in terms of performance, certainly with Mustang here in South Africa, and they're gonna be launching a, a Ranger derivative. So I'm not exactly sure what the roushness of the Ranger will be. I'm not sure if it's just uh, suspension setup stuff and, and aesthetics or whether there'll be some engine v- modifications V8. to there. I don't think it's gonna be quite that roushy, but uh, yeah, we'll see. So yeah, this, this uh, sports bucky segment certainly picking up. <laughs> but talking of actual sports cars, nickel. Now, do you want to let the world know what you've been up to in the last week or so? Because uh, well, you've been regaling really us with stories and we're generally feeling fairly jealous.
3: Yeah, I can uh, only uh, let you know half of the stories
0: because the second half is
3: embargoed. And uh, it's a good thing because I don't want to get emotional here today on, on the second <laughs> half. So I'll start with the first half, which was already a, an incredible trip. I mean, to go to Maranello number one, is, is amazing if you're a petrolhead. The mm-hmm. whole area just the cars that you see driving around you cannot be not um yeah highly emotional maybe when, when you're there so yeah i went to the the, the factory as well the factory tours and um, um i got handed the key of a newly launched ferrari portofino it was one uh, early morning crisp it's quite cold there's still seven degrees ambient temperatures and the lady said, yeah, enjoy yourself. Go and find some roads, go to a ski resort up the mountain with snow-covered peak, uh, mountain peaks. And it was amazing. And so to get to the car then. Um, the Portofino is a replacement for the California or the California T. so the last edition of the California. And it's an interesting Ferrari in the sense that it's the entry-level car, but it's also a GT. It's, mm-hmm. not, a, it's not an out-and-out Super hyper car, it's a a GT, so remember that.
0: You weren't a fan of of its predecessor, yes. I
3: drove the California, the naturally aspirated, which had still had the D-Tune 458 engine, and I was disappointed. Um, It was felt soft, um, it didn't really go that well, it was underpowered. And I think that sentiment uh,
0: was. You, you'll you'll notice people that everyone else here is smiling. Yeah. Nickel talks about a detuned V eight yeah. in a Ferrari as being slightly underpowered. Underpowered, according to Nickle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but anyway, it's just the looks that <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but then kind of 40, the California
3: um, was a lot better, obviously, the introduction mm-hmm. of the turbo engine. But the Portofino mm-hmm. is an all new car, so it's a new chassis. No body panels are shared. And it's got that lovely 3.9 mm-hmm. V8 turbocharged petrol engine now with 441 kilowatts and 760 newton meters. So that's not far off a 488 GTB or Spider, which is around 500 kilowatts.
0: Looks, it looks much better than the. It Windows does car, look it? a lot better. Yeah. And they
3: say they actually used, and it's a bit off the record. They looked at the 812 Superfast for styling yeah. cues, and you can see at the back, you don't get that flat. But on the on the on the. On the um, boot anymore, it's now a sloping rear roof, it looks like a proper GT, The long nose, uh, sloping rear and um, it's a beautiful car in in the flesh as well, it's actually bigger than you think, on Mm. pictures it looks tiny but in real life it's it's actually a a quite substantial car and um, yeah just getting into it, driving around Maranello, um, experience it, it's very comfortable, that I can say number one and you can see that people can drive this every day, it's a versatile Ferrari, it's got the two plus two seating. Which if you look at the back, you think you can maybe put your laptop back there if, if your roof is up, otherwise it will be gone. But um, <laughs> they, with the, they actually told me that the Ferrari, only 30% use those seats on a regular basis. and It can only be for kids, uh, no, no uh, fully grown human will fit there. Um, but they use it every day and you can see why. The ride is perfect if you if you're set it in, in comfort mode. It's really lovely to just devour miles and I turn off on this road called SP26 which is a mountain road with all these switchbacks that you find in Italy and it's a bit out of the day for, for a tour because it's quite tight mm. but um, really with that 7-speed dual-class transmission and that engine it's just amazing um, it, it doesn't, it isn't as sharp as a 488 GTB, it's never intended to be, but if you sort of drive around the limitations, you've got that, that V8 growl. it revs to 7,500 RPM, you actually don't need to rev it out to get the performance, you can short shift with all that torque and you really still fly, so uh, even with the roof down, I put the roof down going back even in 7 degrees ambient, um, it's still possible, uh, climate control is working perfectly fine in, in combination with your heated seats, it's got a nice 10 inch uh, touchscreen, which I didn't really use because I wanted to listen to the engine noise most of the time. And when you get to flowing roads, this uh, Portofino comes into its own. And I think that is where it's a lot better than the California because there's actual real performance to delve into, which was, just wasn't there with the previous California. So I think as an entry level car, it is too expensive for all Ferraris, are expensive four and a half million rands for this car is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at um, competitors in this segment, the uh, Ferrari will probably tell you you look at Aston Martin and so on, but if you think about how much car you get, if you look at Mercedes AM, AMG GT, for instance, now it's not a two plus two, it's not a true competitor, but yeah, it is a lot of money for what you get. But I think they also said. It attracts new uh, people to the brand. Seventy percent of California buyers were new to the brand, and that's what I expect the score to do as well. So, kudos to them. I think they've got a, a level Ferrari that is much more of a, a true Ferrari than
0: a California ever was. Yeah. It certainly looks the it looks the part. I must say, I really like it. Looks. Uh, look you. One thing I've always wondered is, and Terrence, I think you've done this as well, is is driving because you drove four eighty eight GTB in Maranello. Uh, spider, spider. Mm. What I mean, what's it like driving a Ferrari through Maranello? Do people even like give it a second glance? I mean, yeah, you drive one, everyone looks at you.
2: I was in uh, a bright blue one, which I think helped. Um, people seem to expect a red one. Mm. Um, we drew a lot of attention. Everywhere we went, but it was, I mean, a convoy of 20 Ferraris can only attract attention everywhere. But it was lovely, warm attention from, you could see from Italian fans and people were honking in in their banged-up old Fiat Palios, (laughs) mainly. Um, They love seeing Ferraris. So, um, yeah, it's great. You think in Italy, in Mm. that area, Mm. people would have gotten accustomed to it. No, no, there was a lot of energy and buzz around it
3: i think they just love ferrari the brand the people i mean there's three thousand people working for ferrari in that area which tells you one thing yeah, right. and um, there's also the culture of the italians which is amazing food it's a wine region as well um pavarotti to um, deceased pavarotti's home is in modern and just around the corners you've got all this influence uh, and then the ferrari brand it's so evocative that, um, but I must say, I was uh, trying to do the story uh, in my hotel room and the noises from outside the window. I, I kept jumping up and then I see f F40 and then I see a 430 Scuderia. It's just impossible to do any work there. And um, you just get a lot of attention because I think there's a lot of tourists there looking for Ferraris. I think the people that live there they sort of got used to all those screaming v eight noises. But uh, if you're new to the area, it's unbelievable.
0: So are we allowed to tell everybody exactly why you were there or is that the whole thing about it? Because you are, the background <laughs> yes. is Nickle is, is on the, the panel of judges for the World Engine of the Year and um, Ferrari had him there to drive a particular engine in a particular car. So are we allowed to mention that yet? I
3: don't think so. I can just say it was a very special car and I experienced it on track. And you can put everything together there and maybe get to the car but we'll talk about it in after the 16th of april but that was um, the heart of the trip and uh, it, it uh, meant really it, it really meant a lot to me yeah. um, from a personal point of view from experience point of view chatting to engineers telling you exactly what's going on what changes have made probably my best trip um, there was the other part of the trip which i also would rather mention it wasn't so cool, but um, from a from a petrolage ex, ex, uh, experience, if you could ever go to Maranatha,
2: please do, without flying economy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say it,
3: but I'm quite tall and I'm still hurting as I sit
0: here today. <laughs> well, now, it's a man who's been to twice in this period of two weeks or two different things. So if you feel any uh, any animosity, no one can blame you. Right, onto something more refined. Um, in, in in certain ways, um, Gareth, you you were at the launch of this car, and uh, we've got it here at the moment to test. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, I know I don't think anyone everyone agrees with me around this table, but this really is one of my favourite um, luxury SUVs, and it, it is now in in a in seven seater format. And we're talking about Lexus's RX three hundred and fifty LEX. Tell us about the launch and your take on the car.
1: The launch, very lavish. Uh, I think uh, even nickel would. Have Appreciated the wine list. It's quite expensive, <laughs> and <laughs> he's <laughs> more snobbish <sluggish> than me. Don't <laughs> drag me. That is true. That is true. <laughs> anyway, um, the reason I, I mentioned the wine list is that the odd thing with this launch is that there was very little actual mention of the car. Okay. There was a lot of stuff regarding craftsmanship, and, uh, for example, the designers. One of the exercises that they have to do every morning is to make an origami cat with their left hand in ninety seconds. When you remember that from a launch, yeah. you know that's a little bit odd. But I suppose that's, that's Lexus for you. It's, they, they do fly below the radar a little bit. And this car being very quiet, being very refined, um, and I suppose very leisurely in its demeanor, it's, it sort of fits in with that, that ethos.
0: Tell us a bit more about it compared to the regular three, the 350. I mean, what, what is different here?
1: Um, extended wheelbase, which you really do notice. Um, when you're sitting in the back. It so, is so the wheelbase
0: is, is longer. I thought it was just the body overhangs that were longer. So the wheelbase itself is I longer. Think I, it, I think it is okay. longer.
1: Um, and then I think we were talking about yesterday, the the engine has been slightly detuned mm-hmm. to accommodate a different uh, exhaust system owing to, I think it's inclusion of a spare wheel or okay. packaging for the seven seats. Uh, but either way, it's it's running a, a slightly lower output of uh, 216 kilowatts. What's
0: the, the, the normal 350 is? Ooh, 221, mm, I yeah. think. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Terence is the guy who remembers all the stuff. That's why we all look at him
2: it's, well, well. I'm 100% sure <laughs> of that figure, but it's, it's over 220. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's seven seats? The, the,
0: well, let's, let's say the, the third row of seats. How did you find them? Um, I'm.
1: How shall I put this? I'm a f- fairly large carriage, let's put it that way. Um, I didn't actually attempt to get in because. Hmm quite frankly, they, they would have needed to cut me out of the, the car. But uh, I suppose it's it's the usual case of uh, kids right in the back and they'd be happy enough for it.
0: Yeah, I I don't know what you guys think. I, I, I've I always liked the looks of, of this, uh, I mean, we still call it l design language. It's been going around for a while now. And this is certainly um, one of the more uh, exuberant examples of it. I like the look at that edgy design in the car. Um, I was on the 350 launch here for this generation and, and uh, we did quite a lot of off-road gravel um, driving in that launch. Um, f- a refined car, I mean so much so that you, the, the NVH levels are, are so sp- spectacular that it almost feels like you're driving the electric most of the time on on the roads. You hardly hear anything from that refined engine. Um, what do you think of it Terence?
2: Um, I like it. I, it. I like it for the same reasons I like most Lexi, Lexuses, um, uh, the fact that it, it rides really well, it's, it's the build quality feels at least the perceived quality feels spectacular. It's so solid, the materials are great. Um, NVH, as you mentioned. I'm curious to see who buys this car and how many will be bought every month. Um, I'm guessing Lexus has done its research and has found that families need a bit more space. The normal RX is slightly compromised, it almost to me is between that X5, X6 mm. space mm. where the roof line is a bit lower, a bit sleeker, and the, the cabin isn't enormous. So on this model, surely there, there, there were people who wanted a bigger RX? I hope so, I think it's a great family car, it's, it's well priced as well, under a million Rand, where in the days of discoveries now, most of them costing well yeah. over a million. Uh, I, I hope it does well. Um, it's it's certainly something interesting and different.
0: It certainly is well priced, if, especially when you consider that this is this is what you pay. They're, they're, I don't think there are anything in the way of options on this car. So it's extremely well spec'd, mm-hmm. um, and the build quality is, is, is spectacular inside, and uh, you get everything with it. So it's pretty well priced. I, I did have a look uh, and see how I fit it into the that um, third row of seats. Um, We've been running a Volvo X90, XC90 here as well, which also has that. So I was quite keen to compare the two. Um, there's definitely not as much space as the Volvo, for example, offers, and also the Discovery. So those seats, adults could sit in them for, a, you know, I, w- I would say probably a journey of half an hour. It probably starts to get a little uncomfortable on longer than that. Um, but what I did like about it compared to the Volvo, for example, was um, the access. So it's just quite easy to get in there. With my Volvo, really, you have to, yeah, yeah. yeah, so th- that was good. Space wasn't that great. Um, hmm.
1: Which is a shame because the second row has got masses of labor. Yeah, yeah. It really is very very uh,
3: spacious there. And, and, and what about that climate control screen for the third row? Well, I was <laughs> just chatting <laughs> to that. you in, yeah. the, in the corridor and I am thinking, what would kids do? I mean they will go crazy on, on that panel, so <laughs> hopefully you can switch it off from a driver point of view. Um, but yeah, the, the car to me as well. I think it's it's aimed at the American market still mm. because of the just how it rides. It's very comfortable. I think this thing can devour miles, miles easily. And mm. um, so it's an interesting take to to bring this car here. I think comparing it to the Germans, it's it's different. It's a different class of vehicle. But if you think about it, a, a product costs basically the same thing. So if you a, a product driver and you want something that's more like you don't want to be too far away from, from the, the parent the brand then uh, that, the might, that might be an option for you yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't see them selling in big volumes in South Africa and I also think people that buy them can tend to keep them, hold on to them for a long time because obviously the reliability for Lexus is second mm-hmm. to none so you know you can run them for a long time and it's a good thing because I think second-hand value would be a problem if you try to sell it after a year or two. So maybe if you decide one tip from me is keep it for a long time.
0: Well, I mean, Lexus owners are a royal bunch. I think you spot on there. I think once people buy a Lexus, they generally stay with the brand or stay with that Lexus that they bought for, for quite a long time. Uh, I still can't, as much as I do like Lexus, it's that infotainment system still bugs me. Um, okay. That little th- Touch the yes yeah, type thing. It's, it's a kind of a, it's a toggle thing, and it even I know you can set the sensitivity, um, but I still battle to move it sort of one little notch on the screen to move from sort of radio to to Bluetooth. I end up skirting right to the other end all the time. So,
2: and you know what the ironic thing is? The, um in twenty fourteen we tested an is, and it was an entry level model at the time, and that had a little scroller. Like you would get in, in a rotary yeah. swirl, like in a BMW yeah. or a Merc, worked brilliantly with yeah. that screen. Yeah. But higher spec models get this touchpad that is nonsensical and I don't know why they haven't scrapped it yet. Yeah. It doesn't work.
0: I, I suspect there's been enough feedback from, uh, from everybody for, for Lexus to probably change their tech in, in terms of this tech. Yeah.
1: The, the other thing... Uh it's, I suppose it's a it's a niggle with me is that that cabin is so beautifully crafted. There's these lovely swathes of wood and leather, and the ones I drove at least. And then you've got that central panel, which is very plasticky and very, you know, derivative switchgear, and mm. it sort of sits at odds with what's otherwise mm. a very sumptuous, mm. very well-crafted cabin. Uh,
0: it's got it's got those that that sort of uh, deeply veneered wooden um, wooden panels with the. Uh, with metal inserts on them. there's metal stripes that, those stripes are actually pieces of, of metal yeah they oh. were
1: put there by people wielding samurai swords and Probably. so
0: forth yeah it, it exquisitely made so yeah i mean it is a little bit of a contrast there but uh yeah i think everyone reckons pretty good car um one of my favorites on to mm-hmm. another brand which i also like personally i've, I've had a long-term i had a forester for a while um for a year is subaru and they here with a facelifted outback which Mr. Steenkamp on my right has been driving quite a bit.
2: Um, Yeah, I think I speak for pretty much everyone who's driven it so far, is that we really love the Outback. Mm. I drove it over the weekend and initially I was a bit skeptical, uh, naturally aspirated, big engine, CVT gearbox. uh, And actually it works really, really well. So it's got a 3.6 litre boxer engine. This is um, the top spec of two models you get locally at 650,000 Rand. So, big 3.6 litre engine mm-hmm. with a CVT gearbox. Subaru um, generally makes better CVTs than most manufacturers, right, I, I feel. And generally, they work really well when an engine has enough torque, which this one does. So, in day to day running, driving in traffic, the revs really rise above about two, two and a half. So, the, uh, the car feels very refined. The ride's a bit nuggety at, at low speeds, but then it smooths out, and NVH is excellent. So what you end up with is this car that's a rival for, in terms of price, for a lot of mid-size SUVs, like really entry-level uh, X3, GLC, and really top-spec ones. So it sits in that middle range somewhere, but because it's a wagon, even though it's got a lot of ground clearance, 213 millimeters. The dynamics feel more resolved so it's not really in the corners um it, it rides well as i said it's the interior is massive um it's better spec than most germans until you get to about s class 7 series level um and at the price uh, it's i think it's it's brilliant it's almost like the lexus you were talking about it someone can buy this car with great peace of mind and drive it for 5 or 10 years or even longer. And the chances of something breaking is so slim. Yeah.
0: So, the two questions. The, the, the CVT, is it steps like, like the WRX was and the, the Forester I had was as well?
2: Yeah, so, um, fuzzy manual mode, right. so it's got seven steps okay. mimicking gears. Yeah. Um, but I was Gareth and I were actually discussing it earlier because Gareth has an XV um, long terminal also with a CVT mm. transmission. And what I noticed Mm -hmm. over the weekend in in the Outback is if you really floor the throttle, it takes on the characteristics of a a tall converter box. So the revs will rise, but unlike in a lot of CVTs, the revs don't stay at about 6,000. They drop, but they drop in a way that almost makes it feel, not quite, Mm -hmm. but it's there, feel like an automatic transmission which is quite cool. Um, it helps that the engine, as I said, has a lot of torque, and it's an inherently smooth, balanced engine, and it's a six cylinder, so it sounds mm-hmm. decent. Um, so then, and then the revs <laughs> start falling. So it doesn't it doesn't have that whine you get with yeah, a lot yeah. of CVTs.
0: Yeah. Is there something you've taken in CVTs that, I read it, a piece that you were working on, Nickel, about um, th- there's a, a holding gear or something, the, f- the, f- the pull-off trans. Yeah, Theata is working yeah, on okay. a new CVT with basically a manual first gear
3: Right. you pull away with a gear because it's, the CVT can be quite sluggish on pull away so now you get a, the feeling of a manual transmission on your first gear and then onwards it's the CVT taking over so it's a new development we'll see when we when it gets into production and we test it um, if it's maybe the perfect mm-hmm. transmission uh, mm-hmm. combination but I mean the whole idea of a CVT um, by running an engine at constant industry is to be efficient now if you look at this car with a 3.6 liter flat six engine naturally australia you're talking about the endangered species list of engines (laughs) this must right like right up there (laughs) Um, because fuel consumption claimed is 11.9 liters so as much as i like the technology and the car whatever i just have a problem with the fuel consumption of this car for family use if you're going to do long distances you need to have a fat wallet you uh, fuel this this thing so you you pay for your little luxury mm-hmm.
2: so I'll, I'll say on that i i was like concerned about the fuel consumption as well but on our fuel run it somehow posted less than 10 really? liters over the 100 really? kilometers okay. and over mixed use over the weekend I, I did drive it really gingerly and but i i was looking at about 12 12 and a half which is bang on their their claimed figure
0: which isn't bad. I mean, it's 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 not great for for a current turbo diesel. I, I guess you'd be looking at closer to ten, but uh, maybe just under ten. But uh, it's not terrible. The other question I wanted to ask you, Terence, was its competitors in the market at about six hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, what what is V ninety? Is there a V ninety at that price? No, V I ninety. Mean, is closer to eight
2: hundred for the T five entry level model. So. We were looking. At, so you're looking at V60 Cross Country, mm-hmm. which is slightly cheaper, but smaller inside. But obviously, it is a lovely two-liter drive E engine, which um, I mean, just feels about a century removed in terms yeah. of technology from the three-point-six. And then you're starting to look at um, top-spec four-liter V6 Fortuner. Uh, certainly, if you're looking at diesel, uh, Ford Everest. Um, yeah, that's what I mentioned earlier. It sits in a in a, mm. almost a weird no man's land, which I could think could be really beneficial for, for Subaru.
0: Mm. I, I I'm I I love wagons, and I particularly like um, the kind of crossover wagon stuff. I, I love driving that V sixty cross country. Um, that V ninety is fantastic, and, and this is why I, I like the style and I like the dynamics it affords. I think a long term car like this for family use must be great. I mean you can do any
3: everything and anything with this car. I mean if you look at the boot size, I mean what can you not get in there? Yeah, it's I mean we,
2: we measured three hundred and seventy six litres with the seats folded down, over a thousand two hundred, um, like I said, two hundred and thirteen millimeters of ground clearance, you've got all wheel drive, enormous mm. amount of mm. rear leg room, mm. far too much actually. Mm. Um, it's a perfect family car. Mm.
1: That's a Swiss Army of that car. Yeah. It's all the car you'll ever need. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, let's, let's hope um, Subaru can pick up their sales domestically. I don't think they've had a uh, great uh, the last couple of years, but I think that's got a lot to do with product. We haven't already seen a new Subaru here. Um, look, we had uh, WRX Sudan. What was the new one we had last year? Yeah, we so had
2: it. tested the sedan and the XFU. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, they had a fairly poor couple of years, mm-hmm. but last year posted an increase of 10% in sales. So clearly, people are cottoning on to the fact that they've got new product coming yeah. in, and it's it's working.
1: I've got to say, you, I mean, there's the usual phenomena of when you drive a car, you suddenly notice fellow road users with the same car. But I've seen quite a few mm. XVs rumbling around, mm. and that wasn't always the case. The previous car, I mean, good car, but it wasn't that well received. Yeah. But it looks as though the new one's got quite a positive reception. Well,
0: I think that the, that that 10% increase you're talking about would almost certainly have been driven by. Um, that new car, yeah. Um, I think the <coughs> uh, the previous generation was, I think, one of the top sellers here as well. Mm. And th- I mean, I think we desperately need a new Forester here that'll be decently yeah. priced. I think that'll that'll pick sales up a lot. Okay, that wraps it up, gents. Um, thanks for the chat, and we will be back with you next week.